people we have here. Has anybody heard of John Stott? He was a uh, theologian in uh, England. Um, he's with the Lord now. He was, he was from the uh, Anglican tradition. And I, I don't always agree with everything John Stott says, uh, but I've, I've read a lot of his works and I've, I've learned a lot from him, from his writings. And uh, once when he was visiting the United States, uh, he, he was speaking before a group, and he commented on the moral decay of, of his own country, the moral decay in, in England. And he said, you know, in, in your own, you know what your own country is like. I'm a visitor, but, and I wouldn't presume to speak about America, but I know what Great Britain is like. I know something about the growing dishonesty, corruption, immorality, violence, pornography, the diminishing respect for human life and the increase in abortion. Whose fault is it? Let me put it like this. If the house is dark at night, there's no sense in blaming the house. What happens when the sun goes down? Or that's what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is, where's the light? If the meat goes bad, there's no sense in blaming the meat. This is what happens when bacteria are allowed to breed unchecked. The question to ask is, where's the salt? If society becomes corrupt like a dark night or, or a stinking fish, there's no sense in blaming society. That's what happens when fallen human society is left to itself and human evil is unrestrained and unchecked. And the question to ask is, where's the church? Good question. And as, as we learn, as we continue our study in the Sermon on the Mount, we're, we're going to come to a passage where Jesus talks about the, the place of the church in our society. Just what John Stott is talking about. Why has God put us here on earth? You know, how, how should we interact with the world? How should we look at the world? We know that, that we're resident aliens here. Jesus said that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. So, you know, what do we do? Do we, do we avoid the world? Do we, uh, do we focus inward? You know, that's what some people have done. That's what some churches and denominations, groups of churches have done. They've become so isolated. They're, they're really, you know, with, totally withdrawn from, from the world. I don't think that's what the Lord would have us do. Some go in the other direction and become the church militant, uh, you know, saying that the reason the church here is to bring social change, to, to transform society. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard it said many times, and you've probably heard this too, we need to take our country back for God. And, and all these things sound good. Uh, you know, I think we'd all like to see a lower crime rate. Uh, we'd, we'd all like to see an end to uh, senseless violence and, and school shootings. We'd all like to see our religious freedoms protected. Uh, we, we'd all like to see the uh, cessation of, of killing babies in, in the womb. But, uh, you know, the problem is these these social problems can't be fixed by mere social reform. You know, the, the social problems are, uh, they're a sign of a bigger problem. There's, there's a root problem. And these problems in society are, are symptoms of, of that root problem. 
what is that problem? It's the, the ruinous condition of the human heart. It's, it's sin. You know, the, the life lived without God, apart from God. You know, the truth is that the world mostly uh, comprises people that don't have God in their lives. No hope, no God. God has a, has a way that he wants them to go, but they're going their own way instead. They're going the opposite direction. People need Christ. People need the Lord. And without him, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have a, a never-ending debate on how to make the world a better place. You know, it's, it's interesting to see the, uh, the clash of opinions on, uh, say, gun violence. You know, some people will say, well, what we need to do is pass more laws. Somebody else might say, well, what we need to do is enforce the laws that are already in place. Somebody else might say, we need to uh, deal with the problem of uh, uh, mental illness in our society. Somebody else might say, well, the, the problem is, is the family. Let's, let's fix these things and, and the world will be a better place and nothing bad will happen. Well, um, all, 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 of these, all of these opinions and all of these arguments have, have merit. They really do, every one of them, I think. But uh, none really hit the problem on, on the head. None of them really go towards the, the root of the problem. You know, do we need social reform? Yes, we do, absolutely. You know, be, but before we, before we see reformation as society, we're going to need to see a transformation of hearts we're going to need to see people come to the Lord. We're going to need to see uh, hearts turned Godward. And uh, remember when we went through First John, John said that the, uh, the world is, is really set against God. Remember First John 5.19, he said that uh, we know we are from God, but the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And this is the world we live in. A world, a world that's under the power of, of the enemy. Uh, and, and this is why we need the gospel. This is why the world needs to hear of, of Jesus. You know, the, the gospel, the good news of, of Jesus who came. John 4.14 says, we, We've seen and, and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the, the Savior of the world. The world needs a Savior. And so, you know, the problem is we, can't con- we cannot confuse uh, social reform with, with the gospel. People turned away from God. As, as Paul says in Romans 3.10 through 18, and he's, he's quoting the prophet Isaiah here. He says, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless no one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Their paths are ruin and misery. The way of peace they've not known, and there is no fear of God before their eyes. That paints a pretty grim but uh, accurate picture of, of the world. Describes the human heart very, very well. 
So people need the Lord Jesus Christ. Society won't change until there's a transformation that's that's done by him. When, when people come to him, when people are born of, of the spirit of God. And we can try to change the way people behave, but I think we'll fail. Uh, you know, the heart, hearts can only be transformed by an encounter with, with the living Christ. That's That's the solution. And where does that leave us? That's what today's uh, passage is about. You know, we're we're in this world to to be witnesses to Christ, who has the answers, who holds the key, who can save people from their sins and give people eternal life and change their hearts and make them new cre- creations. And Jesus exhorts us to to stand out, to be an influence in the world, and and to make a difference. Let's read today's passage. It's uh, Matthew five thirteen through sixteen, and he tells us. Jesus tells us what our what our role is in this world. Starting with verse thirteen, he says, "You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall it, its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden." Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus gives us these two illustrations of of what we are here for and how we are to be, what we are. He's he actually says in this passage, you are salt. He says, you are light. Act accordingly. He, he, he's not saying be salt. He's not saying be light. He says, you are. We have the spirit of the living God in us. We are salt and we are light. In... Uh, other gospels, Jesus says we need to have salt in our lives. Uh, you know, when we when we think of the uses of salt, what what comes to mind? We think of uh, preservation. You know, those those in this room that are beef jerky fans, you know all about uh, how meat can be preserved with salt. Uh, back with in Jesus's day, when Jesus was walking on earth, there there were no refrigerators. There was no ice in the Middle East. And if you, if you slaughtered a, uh, an animal, you had to eat it right away. That's why people had these big feasts, I think. But, you know, some of the meat was uh, preserved with, with salt. It was, it was kind of a survival thing. It would be very hard to um, survive without, without salt. Salt's also used for uh, seasoning, for for flavor. Um, I like tomato soup. And occasionally, I I think of this one time, Chris went to the grocery store and she bought some no-sodium tomato soup. I know, you, 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 you eat that and you just go, ooh. Uh, in, in, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus said, salt is good. 
And I know there, there's going to be somebody after, after this after this service is, is going to come up and, and give me a, a lesson on uh, nutrition and how salt, you know, too much salt can be bad for you. But Jesus said salt is good, so I'm going I'm to take his word for it. So I added salt to this soup, and, you know, it became good. I, I, I enjoyed it. But Jesus, he says we are salt. We're to have salt in our lives. And what, what happens when, uh, when we are low sodium, so to speak? There's something wrong. There's something wrong. We're not going to have the influence in, in the world that, that Jesus wants us to have. Um, and he, he he says this thing about salt losing his saltiness, you know, and you, you got to kind of scratch your head. Well, what is salt? You know, it's, uh, I took chemistry, it's NaCl, you know, it's a it's a chemical compound. How does, how does salt lose its saltiness? How does salt become non-salt? And so um, let me give you an answer for that. Uh, how do you unsaltify salt? Well, in the ancient Middle East, uh, salt contained a lot of impurities. It was not really pure salt, and uh, you know sometimes salt could could leach out of the uh, the the mixture, the the compound, and so this this compound would be uh, minus the the salt. The salt had gone, and so what they would do is they would they would take this unsalty salt and just use it to kill weeds along the roadside. And that's what Jesus is saying. You know, it's not hmm? hard surface. So, um, yeah, what what what's left may look like salt, but it's but the salt's gone. At least some of it has. It's it's lost its potency, and that's what Jesus is getting at. You know, how uh, how, how does this relate to the other things that that Jesus is saying? You know, what what is it for a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, to to lose his or her saltiness, you know, it looks like the the lamp, the the person who uh, uses their their hands and their eyes and their feet to do sin instead of serving God. Believers who have salt in their lives make a difference in the world. Believers who have lost their saltiness uh, have, have lost that, that ability to, to influence the world, to influence people to Christ, to bring them to Christ. Believers who do, though, they, they make a difference. Look at, um, look at what Jesus says in Mark 9.50 in, in a parallel passage. Mark 9.50, he says, Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. This gives us some insight as to what Jesus is talking about. You know, our, our saltiness, according to Jesus, is related to uh, living with, another, with one another in peace. Remember, Jesus in the, uh, in the Beatitudes talked about that. He talked about being a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children, the children of God. Uh, you know, discord and, and division and hatred and, and anger reveal a lack of salt. Uh, further in the book of Colossians, Paul, Paul says something about salt. Colossians 4, 6, he says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how, how you ought to answer each person. 
See how these things fit together. Having salt, having, having influence in the world, influencing the world because we live at peace with, another, with one another and we don't speak to each other angrily. And Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples because you love one another. People are going to see that we've got salt in our lives when they see how we relate to one another. You know, the, the funny thing is that in uh, current usage in, in slang, what, what does it mean if somebody has a, a salty mouth or what, what is salty speech? You know, it kind of means just the, the opposite of what Jesus is saying here. I was, I was in the military for 20 years and I heard a lot of salty speech. I, I've heard people spring, string together expletives that um, in, in such creative ways I, I never would have thought to, to do myself. But biblically, salt, salty speech is gracious, it's kind, it's loving. You know, it, it builds up rather than tearing down. It's, a salty life is one that is good and, and useful and brings, brings improvement to those around it. So God has us here for a reason. You know, it's, it's to be a witness to the world. This, this world full of, of sin and, and darkness, a world that, that desperately needs him. And he, he offers another word picture here, and it's, it's light. He says, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And, uh, you know, his plan is that we would here and that we'd recognize that we'd pay attention and, and embrace his kingdom. Remember this, this Sermon on the Mount is all about the kingdom of God. You know, that, that we would embrace the king, King Jesus, who, who himself is the light. The Bible says Jesus is the light. Um, Paul uses this, image, this imagery um, in Ephesians 5.8. You know, one time you were darkness, now you are light in the Lord. We walk as children of the light. So, you know, he didn't, he didn't make us the light of the world so that we can hide and be obscure and, and not provide light for, for this dark, sinful world. And, you know, what is it to walk in the light? In, in biblical terms, walking refers to our, our day-to-day conduct as we live. God's will is that we live as, as open witnesses to him. In, in this world, that, that we would let his light shine through us. He says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your, your light shine before others. A city on a hill. You know, that's, that's what we are. That's what, that's what we are as the church, as, as God's people. Jesus is speaking in the, uh, the plural here. He's using the the plural pronoun that in the south would would be translated y'all 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 you guys i guess is is probably more accurate up here you guys we are us together we're the we're the light of the world each one of us individually is is a light but you know if you just have a light over here and one way over there You've been in an airplane, and, and you see this sometimes. You, you look down on, on a dark, 
surface of the earth and you don't see a little light here a little light there but when you come up on a city you know it those lights together is just like a multiplying effect I grew up in Arizona and I know some people love the desert I don't know if anybody here no I've seen some head shake now the desert has its charm there are certain times of year that it's nice to go to the desert like March um but I don't want to live there. You know, it's, it's hot, it's dry, it's lifeless, unless the life forms you like are things like snakes and scorpions and Gila monsters and uh, cactus. Anyway, when I was young, we didn't even have air conditioning in our car. We lived in Phoenix. Most people, most people didn't have air conditioning in their cars in the 60s. And so... Um, when, when we would drive, we'd, we'd roll the windows down, but that's just like having a big blow dryer set on extra hot. What my dad liked to do, and he, he was smart here, he, he, we would travel at night. You know, the sun would be down, it would be cooler. And I remember, you know, laying in the back of the, the station wagon with the seat folded back, looking up at the stars, just looking out. And it was so dark when you drive across Arizona, it's just utter darkness except for whatever lights were, were in the sky. But when you came up on a city and you could you could you could start to see the city when it was pretty far off, way off in the distance, there's a city. And the only way you knew is because there there was light. You couldn't hide that. You could not hide that city. No way of mistaking a a city in the desert in the middle of the night. When I was was in the Air Force uh, in in Ohio, I had a a co-worker. Her name was Mary Ann. She was a very sweet, nice young lady, very pleasant, very hardworking, industrious. And uh, I didn't know anything about her standing with Christ, but I, I, I brought it up one day with her, and I found out that she was a believer, and she said, you know, my faith is a very private thing. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. Um, yeah, people don't, according to Jesus, put a lamp under a basket and cover it up. You can't hide a city on a hill. You know, our, our faith in Jesus by God's plan, is is to be on display. It's to make a difference. It's to influence. Um, I'm giving another interesting story, an example. In in a previous church, we had a meeting to to talk about how how can we be a better witness in in our community, and and a lot of people had some good ideas. You know, one of the ideas was let's... um, there was some event in the summer, I forget what it was, in the, you know, in the, the town square. And the, the idea was just to, just to hand out little bottles of water. You know, Jesus talked about, you know, if you give somebody a glass of water in my name, you know, that kind of thing. Well, this one guy, in fact, he was the youth pastor, he said, well, actually, let me back up. The, the, the next part of this, this was to have a little tag on the on the bottle with maybe a little gospel message or something, maybe something about us as a church. He goes, we can't do that. They'll see right through us. They'll know what we're up to. 
you know, to to me that he was saying, let's 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 hide our light under a under a bushel basket. We we want to do good, but we don't we don't want to do it in Jesus's name because maybe they'll think that we're pulling a bait and switch on them or something. People need to know when we do good works that it is in the name of Jesus. Jesus tells us to to do that. We need to we need to do it for His glory. So was you know was my friend ashamed of the gospel? I don't think he was. I think he was just kind of mis guided uh, we need to be intentional though don't hide your light Paul says in Romans 116 I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes and um, you know what example I think of in that same church we did something well there was there was a hurricane Hurricane Harvey and uh, I don't know if you Paid a whole lot of attention to that living up here, but it was it was a terrible hurricane. Uh, there there was rain that just hung out in in the uh, Gulf of Mexico, there in, in Texas on the uh, Texas Gulf Coast. It just kept raining and raining and raining and raining and raining. And one of the churches down there uh, decided they would they would do some good in their community. They would be a light in their community of Bay, Bayview, Texas, near near Houston. And so. Um, I, I took a team of eight guys down there. We loaded up the church van, and there was this this elderly man whose house he lived in his whole life, never flooded, but the water in his house was four feet during the flood, and it he lost everything. It destroyed all his possessions, uh, shifted the house off its foundation, messed up the the, the house was uh, condemned. And uh, FEMA offered to give him $5,000 for it. Well, this this church pulled together a, a lot of teams from churches, and, and we rebuilt that house. We Our church just had a small part in it. And we did this. We told these people, this family, we're, we're doing this to show God's love in a tangible way. We're doing this in the name of Jesus, and it brought tears to their eyes. Let your light shine. You know, Jesus, Jesus doesn't give us the option of uh, going incognito, being uh, secret Christians or, or silent witnesses. Uh, you know, our, our, our saltiness and our light are to be seen and recognized. And not to make us look good, not, not by any means. It's to glorify God. Jesus said, let, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. And that's, that's the whole point of, of doing good. That's the whole point of being salty and, and uh, being light. You know, Jesus, when he prayed to the Father in John 17, he prayed that uh, his disciples, that, that, that we would be recognized by the world how you know that that it would affect the way they they see him and how they perceive him and and his mission he says the glory that you have given me i have given to them that they may be one even as we are one i in them and you and me that they may be become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me when people see us they should see the love of christ
They should, they should see how we conduct ourselves and, and give glory to God. It affects how they see God. God is glorified when we, when we love each other, when, when we have unity, when we work together and, and not against each other. And again, it's not been God's will that we be removed from the world. He's got us here for, for a purpose, that we should be in it. We're here for, for God's sake, for, for his glory, Jesus says. You know, the, you know, the, the point of this whole discussion on salt and light is that we as the church, the body of Christ, we are to be seen, we're to be visible to the world. We should be a witness to, to him, his love. So what, what do people see when they, when they see us, when they hear about us? Uh, do they even know we're here? Or, you know, do we keep to ourselves? Francis Schaeffer says Christians should be out in the midst of the world as both witnesses and salt, not sitting in a fortress surrounded by a moat. And uh, Francis Schaeffer, when he wrote back in the, the 60s and, and 70s, he talked about the United States being a, a, a post-Christian culture. And he said that uh, whatever, whatever happens in Europe eventually, maybe a couple decades happens here. And, and uh, he was writing from uh, Europe. He lived in Switzerland. And you know, he said Europe has definitely become a, a post-Christian uh, continent. There, there are churches and cathedrals over there that are empty. Uh, when we visited our daughter in, in Germany, uh, one night we stayed at a, a hotel in, in uh, Brussels, and this hotel had at one time been a, a, a big church, and they converted it to a hotel. You know, some, some of the churches have been converted to uh, homes. Some have been converted to, to businesses. In his, um, in his book, uh, Death in the City, which is a uh, study of the book of Lamentations. Uh, He makes this great statement about what we need in the United States. Two things. Number one is reformation. The other is is revival. And so reformation is is getting back to the word of God. You know, it's what what we believe. It's what we believe about God and what we believe about his word. I think we do a good job in our, our church with that. Revival is the second one, and that's uh, you know living under the influence of, of the Holy Spirit. You know, walking in the Spirit. And um, you know, many many churches and denominations have, have abandoned the the truth of of the Bible. Um, they don't honor God's word as, as God's word. Uh, they re- they regard it as being flawed and full of mistakes and the work of, of flawed men. Many have abandoned the, uh, the need to uh, live in the spirit, just living far from God. And Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah in Matthew 15, 8 and 9, talking about these kind of people. He said that uh, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. 
And so many have, many have slipped into just a, a lifeless endeavor of, of going through the motions and following the rules, uh, never truly seeking God, never knowing God. So do we need reformation and revival in this country? Yes, we do. That's exactly what we need. And uh, I'll, I'll always say this. It, it begins with us. It begins with me. It begins with you. It begins with us together. First as individuals, then the local church. Then our church can be salty. We can be salty. We can be light, make a difference in this, uh, this community, bringing glory to Christ as we obediently follow his commands and, and follow him, be, being his witnesses. Uh, so, yeah, where's the church? That, that question that Don, John Stott asked is, is a good question. It's a very important question. Where is the church in society? Where's the church in, in our community, in our country? Um, you know, are we, are we going to be like the empty churches? Or are we going to become like that in Europe? Just one day lock the door and never come back? Uh, I don't think we are. Let's be salt. Let's let's be light. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, you've given us a mission, to uh, a mandate to to go and make disciples, to be your witnesses uh, everywhere, starting where we live and then spreading out to to the ends of the earth. Lord, we we know we cannot do this on our own. We we need you. We we desperately need you, Lord. And uh, Jesus, you you are the light of the world, and you've called us to be the light of the world ourselves. It's, it's you in us that has made us the light of the world. So, Lord, help us to uh, shine our light be, before others. Help us, Lord, to be salty in this world, to uh, to bring seasoning and, and, and preservations. Lord, we, we want to do these things for your glory. We want to make a difference in this world, Lord, and we want to point the way to you, to your salvation. And Jesus, it's in your name we we pray. Amen.